Hi there, this is the Bonsai Stuff Podcast. I'm Scott Martin from Bonsai Matsu. Welcome to another edition of this uh, this podcast about all things bonsai. So this uh, this episode is going to focus on some summer setbacks and how to learn from them, what to uh, what to focus on and what not to focus on more particularly, and, uh, and also a little bit more about uh, my Japan bonsai learnings from um, from my early days. And it should be uh, should be an interesting chat. So thank you as always for tuning in, and uh, let's get right into it. Now, no matter which way you look at it, summer is uh, is brutal. We're in. Uh, I'm based in in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, and. Um, we uh, we are smack in the middle of our our summer period. The uh, the temperatures are getting warm. We have uh, we have particularly dry summers here, but uh, but currently experiencing a bit of a um, bit of a humid patch. So there's issues that come with that. But uh, more importantly, the um, the strong dry northerly winds that um, that tend to come off uh, off inland and and wreak havoc on the bonsais by drying them out particularly quickly. Are, uh, are ramping up, so things are um, things are things are things that need to be organised and managed and prepared for. And my uh, my approach to my bonsai and how I look after them, you know, it starts caring for summer or getting ready for summer starts a long, long time ago. It doesn't start in the last few weeks. It starts back from repotting years ago, where I focus on the um, the root structure of the tree and the tree's ability to transpire to take water through its system which is the primary method for – it's the only method for stopping uh, leaf burn, leaf damage or needle needle burn. So I, um, I, I focus everything that I seem to do throughout the year with my bonsai is based around getting ready for what we're experiencing now, which is, um, is the heat of, heat of summer. So if you're in northern northern hemisphere, well, it's great. You've got, um, you've got six months up your sleeve to, to plan for it if you haven't already, which – you know, would be would be um, would be quite uh, quite rare because a lot of people do worry about summer being particularly uh, damaging time for their trees, and a lot of it, from my experience, comes from you know focusing on water retention with your bonsai as opposed to root growth. If you get the root growth, then the roots can take the moisture, get the moisture up, then you don't have to worry about these hot days so I've got a lot of bonsai I've got I don't know something like 400 or something like that up I'm to be honest I'm too scared to count but uh, they range in size from from tiny little ones to enormous trees over you know over a meter tall you know some somewhere around the you know 1.2 1.3 1.4 meters so they're too big and there's too many for me to pick up and move on uh, extreme weather days so I need to make sure that I've got everything set right before these these things come from. And that's the first point that I want to make is that when it comes to summer, when it comes to anything, you know, whether it's time away from your trees or, you know, you know having a holiday, something like that, that you've got to prepare for the worst. You've got to plan for the worst and make sure that you've got everything in place to ensure that if and when a disaster happens, that you're covered for it. And that includes simple things like you know tying your trees down to the benches, or podiums, or 
platforms or whatever they're whatever they're sitting on at the moment. So when we do get a strong wind and you're somewhere away from your trees, whether it be at work or you know you're out for a weekend trip or you're away for a longer period, that the trees hopefully don't blow over, don't break their bond and 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 blow over. That's the that's the goal with with tying your trees down, because if it does happen. You know, either, and, and you do have the facility to check on the trees. You know, someone might pop around and say, hey, bad news, your trees are all on the ground. You know, what do you do? Do you cancel your holiday, head back? Do you get someone who doesn't know bonsai to start repotting your trees or taping up pots and that sort of thing? Or do you have cameras when you're away that you can check on them, like what's happened to me in the past where I definitely have had trees blow over and they've blown over and broken the tie-downs that I've used on the trees. So, you know, I plan for the worst, but, you know, Stuff happens. It really does with with bonsai, and you've just got to make sure that you roll with the punches. And that's what I want to look to next: is that don't let one backward step or one negative thing happen that occurs during the summer period be a major setback for you with your bonsai journey. You know, for instance, you know trees blow over, or there's a sprinkler system failure and a tree dies. You know, sure you can be upset about it. You can. You can worry about it, and you can you can mourn the loss of that tree. You can you can really be annoyed, you know, for want of a polite word. But you've got to be able to move on at some point. You can't let that define what's happened because there's a lot of good stuff that you've done with your trees throughout the year. And I think that these negative setbacks that generally tend to happen around this time of year, where every little uh, weakness in your system raises its ugly little head over the extreme temperature that we cop, then they shouldn't be defining moments. They should be learning opportunities. You know, if it's, uh, let's say, it's, you know, I had this conversation the other day with with a fellow that uh, a tree that was on the path to becoming something pretty special. Uh, it uh, was in a position where the sprinkler system failed and it was like, damn, it's died. Like it's not coming back. It's just gone too long. Even though the the system itself worked, just that one particular area of the the watering system failed. So we um, we talked about it, and we we you know sort of looked for an opportunity to say, well, okay, what would you do different next time? And it's next time you'd run a second line that covers that area as well, maybe with a different type of spray ahead or dripper system or whatever it is. Something that's more um, allows for a redundancy, allows for for some error in one line is covered by a second line, and you know. Then we also talked about what I do with with my trees, with my watering system. Is you know I'll have I'll have each bonsai covered by two different sprinkler lines, which are covered off two different tap systems, which are covered off two different solenoid systems, which have two different types of sprayer heads, whether it's a misting system or whether it's a dripper or a sprayer or whatever it is. So there's each tree is covered by two things. So for one to go, yeah, that's that's bad luck. For two to go, that's that's really super bad luck. But then what I do is for each of my areas too, I'll have a general watering system say a ground sprinkler which will be enough to cover all the trees within that zone so there's sort of like a a third a third safety stop it's not wouldn't be enough to allow the trees to uh, fully thrive on their own the third system that I've got but it's definitely something that's better than nothing for that period that it would take me to get home or to get somebody to to get to my system to to make repairs if I was, you know, out of country or out of state or whatever it is. So 
I think that you can you can look at what went wrong, you can learn from it, and you can correct it. So, fingers crossed, it doesn't happen again. I mean, that's that's continual improvement, which is what everyone strives for, whether it's in your your personal life or it's your business life or whatever it is. There's always that that aim to continually improve things and get better and stronger, and, and that's what we want for our for our bonsai all around. So. This time of year is when you get to find your weaknesses, but the rest of the year is when I actually plan and prepare and put things in place for this period of time. So, you know, I, I, I try and make sure that, you know, the bonsai that are damaged or, you know, worst case scenario, killed from from one of these disasters, these bonsai disasters, that it's, you know, it's getting less and less all the time. And you, you can't. You, you can't prevent accidents. That's why they're called accidents. And you definitely don't, I mean, you don't deliberately plan in your own mind to have something like this go wrong. So like I said, you can, I think you can be, my approach is that, and my, my advice is that, yeah, sure, you can be upset by it. And you can, like I said, you can mourn what's happened, but you've got to compartmentalize it. You've got to lock that away and you've got to be able to move on from that at some point or another. Otherwise, there's, there's no point having this living art form that we love so much and we enjoy spending time with because things do go wrong. It's it's going to happen throughout your entire bonsai journey. And, yeah, look, you can, you know, I had a conversation with a fellow last night that was talking about, oh, you know, this this tree, it, I bought it a long time ago and I loved it and, and it died and I, I still think about it now, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's cool. You can learn from it and I think you can use something like that as a – as a pusher, a motivator to never let it happen again. You know, never, never walk away from watering your trees. Never walk away from fertilising. Never look out. Never, never walk away from managing pest and disease. You know, all all the things that we have to do with our bonsai, but don't use it as something which cripples you from taking that next step forward with your trees. Like, you know, don't don't say to yourself because that tree died, I'm never going to buy a, a, a high quality, expensive bonsai. Because that one died, and I'm sure all the ones in the future will die. Well, that's that's just not going to happen, you know. Bonsai is a path. Bonsai is a journey, and it's it's like building a house, one brick at a time. You know, all these things that we learn and we compound and we put together goes towards building the biggest structure in the world. You know, which is our bonsai bonsai knowledge database that we can call upon and 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 grow from and and develop our trees and and let our passion flare. So. Anyway, I just want to talk about summer setbacks because we all have them. I've had my share. I've certainly had had a couple this year as well, which um, which you know I sort of kick myself in the bum for, and I mourn. But you know, I, like I said, I have to be able to lock that away and move on. Otherwise, you know, what's the what's the point? So um, don't uh, don't let it get you down. And if you're not in the summer period when you're listening to this, then make sure that you prepare for it in the best way you possibly can. The last last piece of advice that I've I've got when it comes to um, summer and particularly summer focuses a lot on watering systems best piece of advice i'll give you don't skimp don't don't buy rubbish don't buy cheap because you might get away with it once where some crappy little watering system works you might get away with it twice but somewhere and i can tell you from experience and i can tell you from the amount of people that contact me about it Sooner or later, it will come back to bite you in the bum and you will pay the price. I think that if you go for number one thing that you look for shouldn't be price when it comes to watering systems, it should be reliability. And if you can get that reliability factor ticked off on every single component 
of your watering system, then, you know, sure, you might not be able to afford it all in one hit and you might have to scrimp and save and you might have to do it over a period of time. That's my advice. That's exactly what I would do. I wouldn't I wouldn't go, well, yeah, that system's, you know, 500 bucks, but this one here is 50 bucks. So I'm not going to afford 50 bucks, so I'll get 50 bucks. You're better off saving the 50 bucks and putting it away and going, you know, what I'm going to do is it's going to take me six months, 12 months to get there, but I'm going to be putting that that 50 bucks away and compounding another 50 another, until I can get to the value that I need to get a reliable watering system. And if you... When it comes to you thinking about your watering system and how much you'll put into it, just think if you lost every single tree in your bonsai collection, what that would cost you. Not only not only like monetary value, but emotionally. There's um, there's a lot tied up with your trees as years go on. So I would um, I would strongly suggest that you don't uh, skimp and save on on meals going out for going out for dinner. Don't skimp and save on watering systems when it comes to your bonsai. Okay, back to Japan. So this uh, this this part will um, will wrap up the uh, the initial trip that um, that I had back in uh, back in 2012. And I, honestly, I, I still pinch myself. I was reading through um, through some of my notes over the last last couple of days of my um, last last period of my um, my stay there, and some of the things that were discussed and fine tuned and nutted out. I I honestly uh, wonder whether I would have been shown the techniques or, or would have ever learnt them if I hadn't been in that environment, if I hadn't been with those people, if I hadn't um, immersed myself in it, if I hadn't shown myself to being open and willing to just be a sponge for everything, whether it would have even been talked about. You know, there was one of the things that was covered off was the technique for tying trees into a pot, which until that point I I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it as a skill or a technique but it's one that's like it's like anything you know I've said it before you don't know what you don't know and once I was once I was shown or once it was explained to me and and uh, really presented to me in a way to show the benefit of doing it you know the lack of you know stopping movement of a newly repotted tree allowing the roots to grow as strong as they possibly could without damaging the new roots um, factoring environmental situations like you know wind moving trees around and stuff like that and allowing the tree to be in a perfect position to get as strong as it possibly could yeah when you say it like that it's it's a really important technique to learn and it's it's like anything it's it's like wiring it's like pruning it's like you know any any component of that requires a skill in what we do with our bonsai and I'd put this into the horticultural, you know, segment as opposed to the artistic segment. But it, like I say, the, the the horticultural part is the most important part. So you can then get to the artistic side because if you can't get the horticultural side of caring for bonsais right, then the artistic side takes an absolute hit because you can't get the foliage that you need to be artistic with because you don't have a solid enough base or a strong enough bonsai, a strong enough tree to be able to use it and and manipulate it the way that we want to to use the artistic side of, of bonsai. So, you know, going through the through the notes, it's you know, looking at 
simple things like, you know, how do you tie in a tree that's got four holes in a pot, two holes, three holes, one hole, you know, what if there's not enough holes in the pot? How do you add extra holes into the pot? And it was the, um, it was the, I suppose a really eye-opening thing for me that I'd, I'd just finished working on a, a, an old white pine that I was given to, to style and shape and bend and it worked out being um, Mr Tanaka, the, the master, the owner of, of HN. It was, a, it was something that was grown by his great-grandfather, which luckily I didn't find out till after I'd worked on it because I don't think I would have had the courage to have done it in the first place, to be honest, uh, because, you know, it's different. I would have, I would have seen that if, if there was something grown by by my great grandfather. Then, you know, I'd, I think I'd be scared to cut a branch off. But you know, this thing we had to had to do some serious bending on branches and and trunk bending and and pad placement and wiring and and all that led into conversations about you know branch positioning and then pad development as well. How do you develop a pad on a on a tree? Which I was, which I was shown, and you know, I thought I had it a certain way. But then, you know, when you learn and the finesse and the correct techniques for these things, it comes a lot. It looks a lot different. It has a different feel to it. And it feels more, more right, more correct to be doing it a certain way. And and this is all part of of learning in bonsai is that you you come across these things and you you pick up on them and you can run with them and and put your own flair on it. But you. You don't know what you don't know, and that was some of the stuff that I'd learned. And, and my notes were all about, you know, filler branches and and high branches and and pad volume. And and until that point, you know, a lot of the pads that I'd made on my, my trees were always like flat sources, and I wasn't I wasn't understanding or didn't have the knowledge to know about pad volume and how to build how to build that up and how to to maximise the the space requirements for a pad, and so that was sort of stuff that I that I'd learnt. There was, um, you know, I remember, you know, even even the the branch positioning to set uh, a pad, rather than doing it from sort of a front on view where you're looking at the side of the pad, you have the the pad and the branch flowing directly towards your chest, and you build the pad from there, and that way you get to get an even shape about it. So rather than focusing on what something's going to look like from its end image you focus on what it looks like as an independent branch and you make that perfect and then when you have a series of those branches that are in that that symmetry or that harmony together where they're all created individually then when you look at it that's when you get a beautiful bonsai and it was like a light bulb moment for me thinking about it like that rather than rather than focusing on a blob or you know a, a, a two-dimensional view of something for a photo for the purpose of what it looks like from from the front you make a solid tree and you know that's I come back to the one of the most important things that I learned on that trip is good structure is good bonsai and I can't I can't rewrite that enough and that goes through my head every second of every single day when I think about bonsai is good structure is good bonsai and there's no shortcuts you know if you've got something that's that's too long that's too thick that's it's it's outside, you know. There's no point snaking that back and bring it back to make it look pretty. For now, it's like get rid of it, replace it with a bud that's back further, and develop that bad bud correctly to become the the branch that you want. You know, you don't. I don't work on trees to have them at the finished silhouette. I always take them back inside the silhouette so then they can grow naturally into the silhouette that I see for that for that bonsai, that particular bonsai when I'm working on a tree in, in the development stage. So, you know, that was some of the stuff that I, I learned. Also got to um got to have a um a 
pot purchasing frenzy, which was great. That was uh, that was kid in a candy shop moment as well. Got to um, got to finally go through and and you know been looking for for weeks at, at pots underneath benches and pulling out these nooks and crannies and finding you know this one or that one or whatever and looking for patina and you know not not getting cracks or chips or anything like that and then suddenly sitting down and saying okay yeah well that one there that's an, a Japanese antique and that's over 100 years old and that one there that's only 30 to 40 years old and it's like wow 30 to 40 that's amazing but they're like oh, it's only young it's new Japanese you know or you know there's this one's from from Tokanami and you get to know the makers names and start to it's like a whole nother rabbit hole to tear down his his pots and you know I love them I think that said it before I said it again got a great bonsai it deserves a great great pot in some shape or another so that was um that was definitely part of it but then you know the the sponge side of my learning really opened up over that that last last segment of my my time there got to talk about developing you know root over rock trees and the technique that they use over there and it was um it was amazing you know I go there with with the limited knowledge that I had before leaving Australia and um, got to got to go there saying, oh, okay, so we have a rock. This is what we do, and it's like, mm, no. And it's like, okay, make a make a mental reset. Nope, don't uh, don't don't talk about what we do. Sit there as a sponge and go, well, tell me, tell me the technique. How do you guys do it, and how have you done it for the last you know century of of tree development? Because Yours are incredible, and I want to I want to know how you guys do that. And that was all part of the learning that, you know, how they position trees on on the rocks when they're young, and they they put steel around steel uh, around the the roots to to firmly clasp them against the the rock, and and then they allow them to grow and bury the bury the the, the rock fully underground, and then over a period of time, slowly start to expose the rock and apply more steel around those roots, and you know it's. It, again, it's one of those things that there's no rush for it. It's not done in in a month. It's not done in two months. It's not done in three months. It's not done in, in three years. It's not done in five years. It just takes such a long time to create beautiful bonsai that, you know, you, you can start them at any point of time. It's whether you finish them within your lifetime, which is what I've come to realise with a lot of, lot of stuff that I've got in my collection, no matter what stage it's at and how beautiful I consider it to be right now and how much I enjoy it. You know, would I ever think there would be finished? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I, I really don't. Um, doesn't mean you can't appreciate them. Doesn't mean I can't love them. Doesn't mean I can't, you know, give it 110% every time I put it in front of me. But would I think that something like that is... You know, some of these trees that I've grown as root over rock, would I ever think that they're going to be finished trees? No. Would they be display worthy in, in bonsai shows? Yeah, of course. Would they um would they impress anyone that walks through the yard that's you know maybe doesn't know bonsai quite as well, or even sometimes when they do? Yep, yeah, sure it would. Do I still see room for development? Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent I do. And I'm sure that you you people listening that that you'd look at your trees too and see see potential for change or for development and no matter how how high end they are there's always something always something and that's that's part of this 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 last section that you know I wanted to really take take home with me was that you know there's there's a there's a there's a way to develop your trees and there's a focus that we have on our trees that you know when we start working through them but they're never done so you never never sit back relax and and 
have a glass of wine, look at it and go, yep, done, finish, put that one on the pile. That's got I've got nothing more to learn from that tree because that's that's never going to happen. The learning might scale back or the development of the tree might scale back, but there's always there's always going to be something that you can take from that tree. Whether you get bored with it, whether you feel that you've lost connection with the tree, that's another thing. But but as far as the the development of the tree, they it just never stops. One of the um one of the most important things I suppose that, that was refocused or was my focus of that first that first journey to Japan was was focusing in on um, the stage of development of bonsai. And for me being from a relatively young bonsai country compared to Japan and and me personally being young in in bonsai, that it's it was really important for me to to nut it out that the order of development that that uh, is it should be your focus when you work with with any bonsai because you can't jump from one to the next before you've finished the previous stage of development. So, you know, trunk and nabari. So the the base root system and the lower trunk or the trunk development, the trunk shape, that's number one. You can't move on to step two until number one is done because. The number two is your primary branches. So you set your primary branches and you wire them out. Now, as soon as you start putting scissors or branch cutters onto onto your bonsai, onto your tree, the thickening process stops. Right. So if you're still developing a trunk from its from its girth point of view, girth perspective, and taper, then really your focus has got to be on that alone because you can't be working the branches as well as the trunk. You know, you've got to get the trunk right and then go, right, now that's done, tick. It's not going to develop too much more than what it is now. Now move on to the primary branches. So once you get your primary branches right, and that's talking about the placement, the wiring, the positioning, but also the taper of those branches and the thickness of those branches, once you've got that set, then you move on to the third part, which is the secondary branching. Because if you're, let's say, for instance, it's a lower branch and you want it thicker and you start working on the the, the secondary branching on that tree, it means you've got to start cutting things back, which means you stop the thickening process, which means the primary branch development really comes to almost a halt. You can use sacrifice branches to continue doing both hand in hand, but your focus primarily has to be those, those primary branches that you've you've got there. doesn't mean the whole tree's got to be in that phase all at once. You might find that your upper branches, you move very quickly through the through the stages of primary branches, secondary branches, and the last is is the ramification, your, your tertiary branches, your, your, your twiggy silhouette for want of a, want of a better, better description. That's the fine, finally final step in the development of your trees. So once you've got the rest of it done, that's when you start working on that. Now I've got trees which are covering off on stages two, three, and four all at one time. So lower branches, I'm still working on the primary branches and I've still got secondary branches in there, but my my immediate focus is on the thickening process. So long sacrifice branches running from that area. Whereas halfway up the tree, secondary branches have been worked out. So now I'm I've, I'm just about to move on to the to the 
the fourth stage, the ramification, whereas the top of the tree, the apex, the strongest part, the part that I want to be least thick, I've been pruning that for ages and I've been ramifying that for a long time. So I've got a really nice twiggy silhouette at the top. I've got secondary branches, primary and secondary branches. So it looks a bit thinner in that middle section of the tree. The lower part of the tree just looks like these big long shoots that are taking off trying to thicken branches. But the branches are, are getting there and once I'm completely satisfied that I've got them to the thickness and shape and, and positioning that I want, then, yep, off will come the sacrifice branches. Then I'll start working on the secondary branches and move along the path to the ramification. So that's um, that was something which was a really strong focus of my whole trip. And, you know, if I, if I could take sort of anything away from it, it's that good structure is good bonsai. Good structure comes from that four-step process when you're thinking and looking at your trees in 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 part of the part of the process. So another 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 part of the the trip was um was the experiences that you get. So not just the learnings, but the experience. You know, I got to meet Bonsai Boone. He came over with a crew of people, and um you know we did did road trips with him, and and it was really nice because just after I got back from from the trip in Japan, he actually came to my hometown of Melbourne and was presenting at um, national AABC. Uh, bonsai convention here too so it was great actually to catch up with him you know in a relatively short period after I was in in Japan I got to see him and say hello again in in Australia and I think that that was again you know that the whole world's a small place thing really uh, really came to the fore with that trip that it is and you know you you should never be never be daunted by something like that you should embrace something like that and and take it on and you know there was um there was a the period right at the end of my stay, which was great because, you know, there was the the time there, I as I said, I immersed myself in it and I threw myself and said, right, it's not what I do at home, it's what I do what, the way that they do things. So they work very long hours, they work very hard, they get very little time off at all, you know, day, day a month or so is the is the norm. The rest of the time they're working and it's just bonzo, bonzo, bonzo. So that was like, yep, I'm going there for that. I'm not going there to work, you know, a few hours a day and then go and sightsee around the local area or travel or anything like that it's purely to do to do bonsai and that meant you know there was no no real downtime a little bit after dinner where we'd sit in the workshop and chit chat and and whatever else but it was you know sort of no socializing side of things so we got to um got to uh sit in the workshop after um you know right at the very i think it was almost the the, the last night that i was there and we all got to share a beer in the in the workshop, and and that was really nice. That was really nice to sit down and have a beer with Mr. Tanaka and the the guys that were apprentices there at the time, and and just have a, have a yak. And it's one of those memories that just sticks with you. You know, it's it's just a beer. It's nothing. You know, it's not the end of, end of the end of the world, but it's it was actually really nice to be in that environment and and sort of you know just sit back and relax and reflect in my own mind that how much I'd seen and how much I'd done and what I'd experienced and it was um it was incredible and it's like I said that was you know there was all uh, all formalities at the end of it with um you know uh, saying goodbye and and all the rest of it which was really nice you know and and traveling home <laughs> was was an ordeal you know three planes to get home and nearly 24 hours of traveling nearly killed me but you know, would I do it all again? Yeah, in a heartbeat. I would. I would go back and I would start my um start my life in in bonsai. Definitely on that path, one hundred percent again. And, and like I said, it was um it was like opening a can of worms for me because that was just the first trip of 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 many that I I did at um at, at different times. 
over over a period to learn as much as I could bonsai and, and sponge it all up. And every time I went was was exactly the same approach. It was exactly the same philosophy that I used was immerse yourself in the culture and, and go for it and nothing's no, everything's yes. And you go there with without preconceived ideas and you build on what you've got. You keep adding to the adding to the knowledge that you've got in your head. And I think that's what we should all all do with our bonsai is, you know, consider where we are now and when you get the opportunity to learn, take it, take it with both hands and and don't let go of it because it's the most valuable thing that you've got. Whether it's learning from from negative experiences or, or, you know, hurtful experiences like what I talked about with the summer failures a bit earlier in the podcast or whether it's something else, then, then you know, everything's a learning experience, whether it's something that you'll never do again because of a, a result or whether it's something that you'll do because you trust the person that's told you and you want to get to a certain point and it's a real, hey, trust me, you know, this will be okay because this is my experience and this is what the result is, then then take it with um, take it with both hands. But yeah, it was um, was certainly amazing. I remember, um, I remember it was a it was a, a sad, melancholic day uh, packing my bags the the night before to go home because I was so excited to get home to my family, to my, my lovely wife and, and beautiful children. That I was um, I was chafing at the bit, but I was also sad to leave that environment because it was like, well, when are you going to get a chance to do this again? You know, when's this going to happen? And like I said, I was really fortunate that I made it happen. I didn't let um, I didn't let uh, let things hold me back from from doing it and um and i feel that i really really got the most out of it but um yeah truly truly an incredible experience Thank you for thank you for listening in. Hope you've enjoyed the uh, the podcast again. As I said, there uh, there's definitely increase in the frequency of these things because I love them and um, and they're really well received too um, from all the feedback. So if you do want to get in touch, as always through the socials, Instagram, Facebook, just shoot me a message and um, and I'll uh, I'll get back to you in any any shape that I or any form that I possibly can to help because I really mean that I. Uh, I'd, I'd love to love to help in any way I can. So ask any questions that you've got. Um, I uh, I do appreciate the um, the continued support that comes through this through the social media stuff that I post as well, and um, it's it's really nice to know that the, the bonsai community is is really uh, really positive, really nice. I know there are there are negative negative things that happen in in life but uh, for me this is this is one of the best so thank you very much and um, I will keep this this rolling forward on a personal front I've got a lot uh, a lot happening this year I've got um, travel in the state to see different bonsai clubs there's a, a big national bonsai convention in Perth in May that I'm that I'm heading to as well there's stuff in Brisbane there's stuff in Adelaide so I'm traveling all over Australia for bonsai which is <laughs> absolutely incredible and and you know there's uh, there's also plans in in place at the moment that I'm that I'm working on to do uh, Japanese and worldwide basically bonsai tours and and visits so that's something that um will uh, will be developed and and worked on so I can provide some uh, some access to the things that I've I've learnt and seen and 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 give people the experiences of, of overseas travelling and and seeing incredible bonsai that uh, that may not be available for you it just may be a um, a bucket list thing for people to tick off so that's that's also in the works so um, I uh, I look forward to letting you know more details as it comes to hand but thank you for sticking around and until next time as always happy bonsai. <laughs>